Hey, it's Lori from Hike. I am here. I, I mean, I didn't get lost, did I? I, I'm back, and I'm really excited to be back. I mean, I missed it. I missed you guys. I missed interviewing. I missed editing. I am happy to be here behind the mic again, and hopefully, you're happy to have me back as well. So I'm going to say this is season eight. Uh, you know, because it's been a minute. Let's just be real. So. Wow, season eight. It I can't even believe that I am in season eight. Uh, this fall will be five years since I started the show. And uh, yeah, I, I'm still trying to, to wrap my head around that. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. But for now, let's get to this conversation. I am bringing you with Erin of Backcountry Foodie. We're talking about resupply, actually her hiker resupply business that she started um, ramping up to have a commercial kitchen and, uh, her hike that is upcoming of Tour de Mont Blanc, uh, just really cool stuff. And Erin and I have a great conversation. It's really easy to chat with her and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So let's get to it. Here's my interview with Erin of Backcountry Foodie. All right. So I am here with, uh, Backcountry foodie herself, Erin. It is so nice to have you back on the show. Yeah, nice. I'm looking forward to catching up, see what's been going on in the last year. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, we we did a little pre-talk and it sounds like we've both had a lot of major changes in our life. So um I think the last time we spoke, you were in California. Are you still there? Yeah, we're in California. We've moved houses. So I think the last time we talked to you, we just moved out of our van and I was still sitting on the floor without furniture because we didn't own anything. (laughs) So now we're in a new house. We actually have tables and chairs and couches. And actually it's more of a warehouse now because we've launched a brand new product um, in our business that's taking over the house, which I'm excited about. Uh, But it's a brand new part of Backcountry Foodie that I wasn't expecting to happen. I know. Uh, for the listeners, you're not able to see this video, but um, but Erin has a bunch of boxes behind her of different things. Um, it really has become a shipping center. So so tell me about that product. Um, so you're doing like boxes for long long distance hikers. What are you doing? So now that we're, I've wanted to do this for a long time. As I'm a long distance hiker, I've made all my own resupply boxes. Um, and it's something I've been interested in doing because it's resupply boxes are a huge struggle for hikers. And it's something I've wanted to do for a long time, but we lived in the van and we we're always on the move. So it just wasn't an option. So when we moved into the house, I thought, well, maybe I'll just give this a try and see how it goes. Um, and it's exploded. I had no idea like how much interest there would be. Um, so what I do is I literally do everything that you would do for yourself for your own resupply boxes is... I'm your grocery shopper, I'm your Amazon shipper, I'm your dietitian, I'm your coordinator, um, meaning that if you need to have a bounce box because you didn't make it to a certain location or actually just this week, um, Seattle Valley was shut down because of fires. So the, my hikers couldn't get their boxes. So I shift those around for people. Um, I have quite a few international hikers that don't have support people in the States. So they ship me all their gear. So I'll do like, they'll have their summer gear. Then when they hit the Sierras, they need their winter gear. So we flip that, flop that out. And then I ship it back to them. Um, so essentially our spare bedroom turned into a resupply central. Um, every hiker has their own hiker box where I store all their gear, their food and that kind of thing. Um, I started out with 20 hikers and I think I'm down to eight that are still hiking. So yeah, I'm really excited to see them get ready to finish. So yeah, it's been a pretty crazy year. And that's like you said, 
listeners can't see behind me, but this is my shipping center of all the boxes that I have behind me. Um, and actually it's grown so much that next year we're going to have a resupply shop on our website to where it's more of like build your own box kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then that way it's a lot faster turnaround. So it's almost like an Amazon for through hikers. Um, so you can do it that way versus right now I have to go to the grocery store for all the individual things. So the turnaround time is a little bit slower. Um, so that's the change we're going to make for next year that I'm super excited about because I had so many requests for help that I just, there wasn't enough of me. So I was having to t- turn people down. So I'm hoping having the shop will allow us to help more hikers next year. Yeah. I like that, um, that idea or, you know, that change that you're doing, because I think you could, you know, make it standard, right. They can build it and you have the products that you know that you can get, or you have easy access to. And then, so you're also though, you're making it healthful as well, like healthy. Right. So I won't have, so essentially the shop will be all the foods that you can't get at a grocery store. The things that you can't get at a gas station. Um, so the people that are wanting to maintain like a healthy diet, I'm not going to have instant potatoes. I'm not going to have ramen. You know, I'm not going to have all that kind of stuff. It's more like the healthy bars that you want. Um, the other thing about the shop is that because I have to buy everything in such large quantities, if you want like electrolyte packets, you only have to buy as many as you need versus if you're on Amazon, you have to buy a bag of 35, not everybody needs a bag of 35 LMNT packets right away. So this way hikers can order just what they need because I'm already keeping it in stock here in my house for my other hikers. Um, same thing like olive oil packets, Parmesan cheese packets, all those things that you have to buy in huge quantities, I'll be able to have here um, and just the amount that you need for your boxes. So I'm hoping that'll help people too. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited. I'm just wondering where we're going to put it all. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah. yeah, you only have a two bedroom. <laughs> We have a two bedroom house and the uh, shelving you see behind me, we have four, eight foot tall shelves that have plastic totes all in them where everything's or I'm very type A. So I'm very organized. Like it's this system now. Um, and my poor postal carrier comes every single day and picks up boxes. So I had to actually get a cart for her to carry all the boxes down to her truck. Cause I felt so bad for her having to go back and forth. Um, so it's even those little things that I'm kind of learning as we go to. Yeah. They all know you at the post office now, right? They do. They're like, <laughs> Oh, you got more food for hikers today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I also like that this doesn't, um, it creates less waste because you were talking about not having to buy a lot, um, that you can centrally kind of keep it and people aren't wasting a bunch of things or putting them, putting them in, you know, the hiker boxes out in different, you know, storefronts and things, but not, you know, that may not get used either. Right. No, it's literally only buy what you need kind of thing. And I also, as you can see at the bottom of my shelf, these are all old Amazon boxes. So I'm not using my own packaging. I'm recycling all old because I get so many boxes of goods here that I'm just recycling all those boxes. So I'm trying to be environmentally aware there. Even my packing tape is compostable <laughs> or biodegradable because um, yeah. I'm not using plastic. Everything on all of my food bags that I'm making um, my personal backcountry foodie meals in are biodegradable too. So they can actually go in the trash can and degrade in the trash. They don't have to be composted, nothing fancy. Um, so I'm feeling a lot better about that too. So at least I know the meals that are going out that they're not causing as much waste as they would if they were like a mountain house meal or plastic Ziploc baggies and that kind of thing. So tell me a little about these hikers. You said you had 20 to start and there's eight left. And I imagine that um, 
get really attached to them and their journey. I'm going to miss them. (laughs) Actually, I met three at PCT days just last weekend. And I already told them because the way we communicate is via Garmin or whatever satellite GPS they have, because you don't have cell signal when they're out there. So they're text messaging back. Hey, Aaron, what's the fire looking like? Or I need my jacket or I need this or that. Um, So I've gotten over a lot of them. I talk pretty regularly and I've gotten to know them really well. So after feeding them for six months, it's going to be really quiet around here (laughs) when I don't have my hackers to talk to you um and even seeing them going through their own personal journeys of struggles you know and wanting to get off trail and getting on and off and that kind of thing um but it's been really exciting the only reasons people went home i had one that already had a pre-existing medical condition that had to go home right away um a couple others it was just the snow this year was so horrible that it was just above their skill level um had one other person get injured so it was mostly People weren't giving up. They're they're giving up. They were forced to leave kind of thing. So it's really exciting to see that people kind of stick with it and do the trail this year. And so all of them on the PCT, are you, is it solely for PCT hikers? This year, well, I can service any hike, um, except for they were all PCT. I had one AT hiker, um, mm-hmm. but this year I started small. So my food business is a cottage food business. So I'm only able to sell my backcountry booty meals within California state lines. So I think that deterred a lot of people because they were wanting to use my, and what's funny is a lot of the hikers are actually our members that have been using my food for years. They're like, I love your food, but I don't want to make it. So <laughs> I would just want you to do it for me. Um, so that was a deterrent, I think, for like the AT hikers that they're like, well, I would only use you because I want your food. Um, so that's the other thing we're transitioning to for next year is I'm working on getting my commercial food license, which will allow me to ship my foodie meals anywhere in the country. Um, so yeah, moving into a commercial kitchen. So that's another big one. <laughs> that Yeah, that's a lot. And, um, yeah. and where are you going to put it? <laughs> so luckily there's kind of a co-op kitchen to where you okay. rent space as you need it um, near here. So, and I've already talked to them and they've got plenty of space for me. So depending upon how fast we grow, I can rent out different sections of the kitchen. Um, so again, I'm going to have to find more storage space because there's the volumes ideally, hopefully going to grow that much more. So we're going to see, but yeah, this year is primarily PCT hikers. And I think a lot of that has to do too, is the resupply is a lot harder on the PCT than the mm-hmm. AT. Um, okay. And with it being a new service, I just don't think like people on the Colorado trail, the continental divide, they just didn't know. I didn't advertise. I posted it three times on Instagram and I was booked. So I didn't tell anybody about it because I just didn't have the manpower. Um, and just last week we launched a brand new website that has the resupply service page on it now. And I've already gotten six applications for next season within a week. So it's wow. going to be a big year. <laughs> so, t- so tell me about PCT days. Cause, because, um, you know, I just moved from Oregon out here to Maryland and I can tell you, um, that was one of the sad parts is I was like, I am going to go this year. I'm going to go, I'm really going to go. And then I didn't go. So, so tell me about how, you know, the vibe was, how big it was, what you got to do, who you saw. So I went back in 2016 when I was prepping for my PCT trip and it felt more like a kind of a small conference kind of thing to where you go and listen to speakers and that kind of thing. You look at a few vendors. Now, my understanding is it's more than doubled in size. Um, I hadn't been since. So I was a vendor this time for the first time and it was packed with people. I mean, I lost my voice every morning. I would wake up sounding like a frog because I've been talking all day long the day before. I mean, it was exhausting and people would go out to dinner at the end of the day and there was a dance party and those kinds of things. And I was so worn out that I just, I had my van with me. I just like creeped into my van. I was like, I'm done guys. I'll see you in the morning. Um, 
And because I talked so much, I didn't get to leave my booth. So I know there were all kinds of other brands there. Um, a lot of um, still the same kind of conference kind of the feel to it. There are talks mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Uh, but everybody seemed like they're having a good time. It was fun seeing hikers that are out there that have been using our products, people that were like looking for next year's solutions. Because um, one of the things I'm known for too is all the special diet help that I do as a dietitian. So I had quite a few people saying, I want to do the PCT next year, but I have XYZ dietary problems. Like what can I do to get through it? So we talked a lot about that. Um, and we also had a guess how many Sour Patch Kids fit into a bear can contest, <laughs> which was super fun. Um, so we had individually put individual Sour Patch Kids in a BV500 bear vault, um, ended up being almost 3,000 Sour Patch Kids. That's a lot. It was a lot, but it was really fun to see people get their calculators out. And then what was funny is the through hikers had the best guesses. I was like, they know they're Sour Patch Kids. (laughs) So... All right. And the top the top through hiker guesses got to take the Sour Patch Kids home with them or on trail with them. So they were like super stoked about it. I'm like, I don't want to take all these home. It was like, you take these. <laughs> like the person that wasn't hiking got to win the bear can and then all the hikers got to take the Sour Patch with them. So it was fun. How fun. Yeah. I was thinking like, oh, that might, that might hurt for a minute. <laughs> but oh, hikers, yeah, no. have, hikers have a, you know, stomachs of steel. So right. Yeah, they were like, oh, no, these will last me maybe half a day. I'm like, please take them. Like, I do not need these at my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a really fun conference. I mean, everybody's just super happy to be there. And so, and catching up with people on the trail that you haven't seen in a while, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you talked about having your van there. So um, I know that at one point you lived in your van, right? Yeah, we lived in it for two and a half years. So um, how do you adjust to like, being in a van and then going into a home and like, I guess, vice versa, then going back for a while just to, you know, be in that, those close quarters again. And um, what was that like? Right. Well, kind of like what I was saying earlier, the transition, I really struggled transitioning from living in a van with next to nothing to living in a four bedroom house with zero furniture. So I was really like, I don't want to buy anything yet because I knew that was kind of our transitional period that I knew we wouldn't stay in that house for very long. So, but it got to the point where we were sitting on the floor for six months and our butts were hurting. So we finally got a couch, Um, but we still don't have stuff. So I'm still, we're still living like a really minimalist lifestyle. We don't have trinkets. We don't have things on the wall, that kind of thing. I have a ton of foodie things, shelving and desks and all that kind of stuff, but we're still living very minimally um, that way. So I miss the wake up and all the beautiful places every morning, like going somewhere new, having the freedom to just jump in the van and go. So I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, My husband, not so much. He missed his hot showers. He missed the comforts of home and that kind of thing. So I don't know that we'd ever do it again, but we did keep it. We're not getting rid of it. Um, Actually, her name is Bessie. So (laughs) we're not getting rid of Bessie anytime soon. Um, And now he's actually going to start going to four 10 hour days for work. So we can start doing more longer weekend trips. Um, and we go to, we live five to six hours from the Sierras, but we still will take off for the weekends in it, um, go camping and that kind of thing. And there's actually been times that I've just needed to take a break and I'll drive up to a ridge here nearby, spend the night at the top of the ridge overlooking the ocean just to kind of decompress and then start fresh and then come back down. So it's still very much a part of our life, but I do miss the everyday, just kind of waking up in all these new places that I think our dog misses it too, because we have such a tiny yard now that she used to have freedom to roam all over the place. Um, So that's been a transition for her too. How do you feel um, 
you said you spent two and a half years. So you definitely dialed it in at that point because um, before, you know, how did you decide, I guess, to, to get Bessie and to like do this? I mean, what, what was the decision-making and, and maybe, you know, going towards what do you think people need to talk about before taking that, that leap? It's a huge leap and it's not glamorous. Instagram makes it look really glamorous. It's not glamorous. Uh, well, at least the way that we lived. We didn't live in towns. We love being on BLM land, national forest, and all those kinds of things. Um, the reason why we did it is I had already quit my job, um, was working on building backcountry foodie, and I'd just gotten stuck. I just, being a dietitian, I only had so much knowledge. And my husband was also reaching a point in his career to where he was burned out. He needed a break. He's a commercial um, construction project manager. So he has the skills that I don't have. I've now since learned a lot of those, but at the time he had all the skills that I didn't have. So we just decided, you know what, let's just sell everything, get out of our house. Let's get rid of our cars. I mean, we got rid of everything. And it was, I couldn't believe how much stuff we've collected in our house that I hadn't even seen in years that we just got rid of. Um, so he quit his job. We bought the van, built it out ourselves, which I will never do that again. Um, that was quite the experience in itself. Um, yeah. And he took on all the budgeting, the projections, the building the website, all those kind of technical things that I didn't know how to do with Backcountry Foodie. So we did that for two and a half years, traveling around, keeping our budget next to nothing. Um, because when you live in the forest, it doesn't cost a whole lot <laughs> compared to we lived in Seattle at the time. Um so yeah, then it got to the point where he'd built everything that Backcountry Foodie needed, and then there just wasn't a lot of work left for him to do, and he started missing his old job. So that was when we kind of decided to, let's go back to a house, he can go back to his career, then I'll go ahead and build Foodie. Um, and then we didn't have a very good transition period, because we didn't plan. So it went from having Chris full time to me having to learn all those things. So that would be something I'd really recommend people doing is having a transition plan. Um, if you go from one thing to the other, cause they're completely different lifestyles. Um, so I actually really struggled the first six months or so trying to figure out how am I going to manage this by myself when I've been depending upon Chris for the last two and a half years to run it for me. Um, but I did it. I'm still here. We're growing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite the experience. <laughs> you said, um, you know, you missed it. And I wondered, you know, do you see that you could at another point in your life be mobile like that again? Once we're probably not until we're retired, because with the way backcountry foodie is now, I really have to stay stationary. Um, if this resupply business really works out, then I'm not going to be able to be mobile. It's just not feasible to do that. Um, Chris actually brought up rent getting a sailboat and sailing around who knows where. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Here's another <laughs> a brand new idea. <laughs> Neither one of us knows how to sail. <laughs> Chris and my so, boyfriend need to talk because he also <laughs> wants to get a sailboat. <laughs> really? I yes. lived on a powerboat. That was actually my first mortgage payment. Um, in Seattle, it was like waterfront property for pennies. Um, I lived on a powerboat for two years. So I've lived on, that's why I knew I could live in a van is I'd been a long distance backpacker and I lived in a boat. So I'd done that small tiny living before. Uh, but I know nothing about sailing. So that would be a whole nother journey in itself. So he's kind of brought that up that once we get foodie in a place to where it kind of runs itself or we could hire other people to run it, then we might take off in a boat and tour around for a few years. So who knows where we're going to be? <laughs> we don't have children. So we have the freedom to go wherever we want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds really nice though. Just being on the water and um, I'm sure you, I mean, it's a different than being on, you know, the road, uh, but I think you have those skills of being able to like live, like you said, you know, compactly that it would just, you know, you'd figure it out. Right. 
Yeah. No, I would be more worried about the actual sailing part of it. <laughs> like, how do we sail through a storm? <laughs> That's more what I would be worried about. We might just have to stay in dock and like go from port to port <laughs> really quickly. <laughs> yes, true, true. So um, you're going to have, uh, you said eight people left, right? Eight hikers. So mm-hmm. that'll wrap up what within the next six weeks. probably actually within my first one's going to finish in 104 days next week and his goal is to get finished in 100 so he's really disappointed in himself and i was like but it's 104 days like you still that's pretty awesome um so i think my last one is scheduled to finish up the end of october so in the next couple weeks everybody's kind of finishing up where most of them are is they're finished they've gone to the terminus now they're hopping back down to the sierras and finishing up the sierras since that was such a mess earlier this year um so yeah, and I'm actually getting ready to hike the Tour de Mont Blanc in two weeks. So they're going to be finishing up while I'm out taking a vacation <laughs> for a couple of weeks after feeding them all season. So, so tell me about that hike. So that actually was one of these where like, I'm working really hard all year. Let's take a vacation at the end of the season. Where do we want to go? And it was Tour de TMB, the Tour de Mont Blanc, 105 miles around the Mont Blanc. It goes through the Switzerland, Italian, and French Alps. Um, it's just a circumnavigation kind of thing. Uh, it's been on a bucket list for a long time. So Chris and I had been kind of touring around with the idea of doing it because the other reason is he's not a long distance hiker, but it's a hut to hut. So every night we get to sleep in a, a, a hut of some sort kind of thing. So that was my way of getting him to do a long distance hike with me because I've always wanted him to go. Um, but what ended up turning out was not even a week or two after we started kind of thinking about the idea is a guiding company reached out to me saying that my hikers really struggle with how to eat on this particular trip. Um, they're up at altitude. There's a lot of elevation gain. It's, uh, you know, it's a hard hike, those kind of things. So would you be willing to do some meal planning for me? Would you be willing to kind of like teach my customers how to do this? So I'm like, absolutely. Like that's exactly what I do. Um, so what we've worked out is she planned the entire trip for us in return for me doing meal planning work for her customers. So it's actually, there's no way I could have done it because I just don't have the time to plan a trip right now. Mm-hmm. So she literally planned the picking us up from the airport, the whole trip, what we're doing, and then back to the airport. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I have no idea what I'm going to eat because there's food all over the place, but being a vegetarian, you know, vegans and gluten-free, all those kind of things, just kind of getting a feel for what food is available, like what can people eat, how many snacks, you know, the whole meal planning part of it. So it's a vacation, but at the same time it's work, but it's the kind of work that I love to do. So it's, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be fun. I haven't trained, so that's, it's going to be a suffer fest. <laughs> so oh, <laughs> Zero <yeah>. training. <laughs> so you're going to be at altitude and I can imagine that there's uh, definitely some gain and loss and it's going to be right. a little It's every day, climb up to the hut and then you go back down to the valley. Then you climb up to the hut and back down to the valley. So luckily the days are relative. They're only 10 to 12 miles. So you have an entire day to do that amount of time. So, and Lots of times you go from your hut in the morning where you eat breakfast, you go to a hut for lunch, and then you go back to a hut for dinner. So even if we need to like sit and chill for a while, it's really, I think that's my thoughts of what's going to happen. It could be very different when we get there. Um, but I'm hopeful that it's just going to be a relatively chill kind of thing and just hope that my knees and my hips hold out for 10 days. <laughs> Bring some ibuprofen and right. all that, right? <laughs> are you um, are you starting with others? Like, do you know that you have like a cohort kind of in a sense or is it nope. just you guys? It's just Yeah, the- just us. Her particular, um, it's 
unguided alpine ventures so essentially she provides all of the itinerary for you where to go where to stay but you're guiding it yourself so it's not actually a guided tour um so now we're on our own then that way we can go at our own pace you know that kind of thing but we do have to be at certain spots at certain times um and what's really interesting is that you can't camp there's very little camping um over there and i didn't realize that so if you don't make it to your hut, you're kind of in trouble because it's illegal to camp. And we're not planning on taking a tent because we're trying to keep our backpacks as light as possible, not having training. So that would be the only thing is you dinners at a certain time. So if you don't get there on time, you're not going to eat. Um, mm -hmm. So those kind of logistical things might be interesting if we are moving a little bit slower than intended. So we'll see. And hopefully you don't run into any weather and that it's Good. that's the other part is we're at the end of the season mm -hmm. so that's the kind of like in the north cascades right now winter could hit at any time you know so hopefully we're gonna be okay <laughs> or it may be a snowstorm and then we'll have come home with a real story to tell <laughs> <laughs> Are you, so so you talked about um someone helping and doing the planning part for you which is nice um i imagine you have to have reservations for the huts right. and that's yeah. part of the whole process of knowing that's the whole process stay, right yeah. And those, they don't have websites. So there's a lot of phone calls and all that kind of stuff. I mean, cause these are teeny tiny little places. They're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so like I said, there's no way I had time to make that kind of planning this year. So it was just so wild that I literally within a week or two of us thinking about this, she popped into our life and I was like, absolutely, whatever you need, if you can plan this trip for me, <laughs> I'm like, I am happy to help. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a really fun kind of adventure. And you said you're doing that, what, in a couple weeks or was it? We, we leave September 7th, start on the 9th. Okay. And then, yeah, like two weeks. Yeah, or basically. So. Yeah. Are so, you, and you said it takes about how long does it take? The typical is about 10 days. Some people days. go a little faster. Some people go okay. a little slower. Um, but yeah, we're going to do it. In, we didn't want to totally kill ourselves. So we're going to do it in 10 days. So it averages about 10 miles per day or so. I think we have a couple like eight mile days and a couple 13 mile days. Mm -hmm. um, and then if the thing too is the way it's set up is that if you're really struggling, you can actually bypass sections because once you get down the valley, you could take a bus and skip a section to your next hut kind of thing if you wanted to. Um, so there are outs. It's not remote like the PCT where you're stuck. Like if you're mm -hmm. really struggling, like you're not getting out kind of thing. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'm downplaying it. <laughs> it sounds reasonable for somebody that hasn't trained, but I've been on a few of the Facebook posts and people are just like, I'm training, I'm doing this and this and this. And I'm like, well, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> So where's going to be your, um, I guess your base there. Cause you, you're going to have a couple days before and maybe a couple days on the other side. No, so we literally fly in, okay. spend the night in, we fly into Geneva. You take a bus to Chamonix. We spend the night to sleep and then we start the next day. Oh, okay. Similar so. kind of thing on the way out. We're like we finish in Chamonix, catch the bus to Geneva and then we're out the next day. So there's not a whole lot mm -hmm. of leeway on either end. So and that's why I tried to tell Chris, I'm like, he's not, he's never been to Europe before. So he doesn't know the whole jet lag feeling and being mm -hmm. all out of whack. So like, let's kind of make the first day relatively easy <laughs> because when you're just all, you know, jet lag, it can be really rough on you when yeah. you're doing that. So, and then we go back to work as soon as we get home. So there's nothing that's just like, boom, boom, boom. Well, that just, um, well, just leaves time for you to say, okay, we need to go back and also, you know, see the sites yeah. there. So, so yeah. Right. So you can plan your next trip. Yep. I'm super excited. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, um, what else is on your plate? You know, you, you're gonna, you know, you said you're preparing, kind of figuring out how to go, um, commercial, 
with, uh, with the food and, you know, kind of building that, when do you think you're going to be kind of set of knowing, okay, this is my, you know, 20, oh my gosh, 2024. I know, right. (laughs) This is is my class of 2024. You know, you said you already have six people who've applied. Um, Are you, you know, are you cutting, are you keeping it like, you know, within X amount of people, or are you going to just try to expand as, as people come? So the customized service that I offer this year, I learned I can only handle so many people. It's just, it's a lot of work. I love doing the work, but it's a lot of work. So that's where going the commercial route and having the resupply shop. So unless you have a lot of dietary restrictions, you need help with like gear and all those kinds of actual more service related kind of help. Um, then I'm going to direct people to the build a box because that's mostly, I found this year is that my hikers are like, I don't care what I eat. I just want to eat healthy. So Aaron just put something in a box for me kind of thing. Um, So I think that's where the build a box yourself will be a lot easier um, versus the other people that needed the actual support kind of thing. So I'm probably going to keep it to 10 to 15, to be honest, for the customized um, because there is so much more effort that goes into it. Um, But time-wise I'm shooting for like December, January for like 2024 season, getting ready to go Um, because the commercial license takes three to four months just to get that up and going. I have to change all my food labels. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the back end that has to happen. Um, Getting all my recipes adjusted, you know, getting par levels. We're working on getting like inventory software. I mean, this is like a whole nother ball game from, it started out as me using a Google sheet and doing things (laughs) manually to now like this is full on like restaurant style kind of stuff. Um, So yeah, we're doing all those kinds of things and then just getting more processes in place to make it more efficient, saving me time. Um, hiring help and I'm going to have staff like food staff to help me crank out a lot of the food because that was part of the problem too, is I just couldn't keep up with making enough food fast enough. So having the commercial kitchen right now, I'm not allowed to have anybody in my house as a cottage food business. So, and actually a small business too. And no one's allowed in my house even to help me box up stuff. Um, so that's part of it too, is the expansion is having help to do those things so I can help more hikers. Um, so yeah, so hopefully December, January is going to be like, we're ready to rock and roll. We can do the AZT, CDT, we can do whatever trails that people need kind of thing. And we're also offering even easier is one day meal kits to where I've already pre-planned the whole day for you. So we're going to have a, and this is based on this year's request is a vegetarian one, a vegan one and a gluten-free one. And then my drinks, I made 600 of my shakes this year. So we're going to have like no appetite meal kits. So for the folks that are just really struggling with not being hungry as my hikers, like today I have to make 48 of my shakes for one hiker because that's, she's living off of them. That's what's getting her through. Um, So we're going to have like no appetite meal kits. So you can just order the meal kit already done. It has the carbs and nutrition, the protein, everything you need in it. Um, And literally like I want three kits and then in the box it goes, you have it in three days kind of thing. So there's like zero thought that has to go into it. So that's the other part that I'm hoping that'll help hikers too, that are just like, I just want to eat well. So just give me some food, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah it's exciting. It is very exciting. And it's, it's like something that um, not, a, I mean, it, it makes total sense for you to do this, but then I also think it's something that hikers, you know, never thought of like, you know, to get that help and to have um, that service provided. So um, it was a great idea for you to, you know, kind of venture into this from, you know, building upon what you were already doing on uh, Backcountry right. Foodie. Well, and I love making resupply boxes. It's kind of a weird love. Most people hate building <laughs> them and I really enjoy making them. 
it feels like I have my own little grocery store. I just go through. I want, I want these bars, one of these bars, one of these. I put it in a box, and then two, um, I cram the food in as small a box as possible because I know cost is, and I have commercial pricing for shipping. Um, so it's not like Amazon to where you order a box and there's all this fluff, you know, in mm-hmm. there. Um, so I cram the food and I actually asked to ask permission. Is it okay if I smash your potato chips so I can get them in the box? Because there's been times that I've like, I really don't want to put potato chips in a box by themselves. Um, yeah. and my hikers have been more than happy for me because they're going to get crunched in your backpack anyway. Um, and to like, if there's trail mix, that's you know, really blown up with a lot of air in it. I'll puncture the bag and I'll squeeze out all the air and then put a little sticker over it to keep it fresh. But that way I can get so much more food in a box that way too. Um, I've really spoiled my hikers. So I know. take care of them. <laughs> what? Yes, I'm sure after uh, putting this episode out, there's going to be uh, maybe a few more who are like, oh, oh yeah, I would like to do this. They're, this they're like, spoiled. <laughs> yeah, this is um, you know, this is kind of like, yeah, like like the glamping version. Yeah, of, you know, resupp- yes, <laughs> resupply. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, that's what my hikers have all said is they're like, I literally, I place my order and then it just appears at the end. They just mm-hmm. show up at the outfit or post office and it's done. Like they don't have to yeah. think about anything. You know, right now that, you know, you might have your relatives doing it or other people. And so that's, a, you know, that's a lot of responsibility for, you know, someone right. else to, to put on. So I think this is great because, you know, you're a professional, you know how to do it and they can still, you know, get what they need and their family stays happy. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. and you never know something might happen to a family member. You might they yeah. get sick or they have to leave yeah. or, you know, something like that. Whereas I'm here, this is what I do. And yeah. the other thing is I know which places to send them to. I know which places take longer to get to, you know, I know all those things for, and that's partly what we're going to do next year too, is I'm going to start a webpage with all the addresses that I'm using. So then that way other hikers that are going to use their build a box service can go to the webpage with the addresses and just plug those in. Um, because that was part of it. I learned this year is the hikers are like, I'm not even sure where to send it. I don't know like what their hours are. Um, this is also how I, um, spoil my hikers is I put all their tracking numbers and the addresses and the hours all on like a calendar. So they have all that on, it's all on your phone. So I try to keep as everything as offline as possible. Um, so yeah, they're really spoiled. (laughs) (laughs) So, so how can, um, someone find out more? Where do they need to go to? So if they go to backcountryfoodie.com, we now on our main page has our four services and resupply services on the very front page. So if you click on that, then it'll go to the details about the service. Um, and there's an application form that essentially just tells me what hike are you doing? What kind of help do you need? Um, and then you schedule time to call me. And then we just kind of talk about whatever your needs are. Then we decide on what's the best fit for you. Um, and then I get you on the calendar. That's great. Well, I'll put a link to it in the show notes and make sure that everyone knows how to access and get the information. What are other ways that people get in touch? What are your social media handles and how can they follow you? So I'm on Instagram at Backcountry Foodie and Facebook. And then we still have a handful of um, YouTube videos that we made while we're out in the van. I haven't made any new ones recently just because I don't have time, but they are there if you are interested in those. It was so great to catch up with you. Yeah, I know. It's been a lot's going on. (laughs) I know, a lot going on. If I don't chat with you before, have a great time on your trip. You deserve you deserve the vacation. It's, it's not quite a vacation vacation, but it's what you love to do. So that's what I love to do. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening today. Please go out and check the show notes so that you can link to Aaron's webpage, find out more about hiker resupply, 
share it with the hikers in your life. And, you know, sharing is caring after all, and maybe even apply for yourself. So go check it out and make sure to follow me at the hike podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can email me hikepodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, see you on the trail.